Welcome into the Clap Trap. Brought to you by Ultrasound Productions. Now also playing on 90.7 WKKL. Welcome to another episode of the Clap Trap. We are back. It has been a little bit. I have some stuff going on in my personal life that has taken me away from being able to do the show as much. But I'm back. Uh, and that that those things that include my personal life are about me getting jobs in, in different radio stations and things like that. So you're going to hear my voice uh, a little more in the Massachusetts area around the Cape and hopefully further off Cape as well. Uh, so that is why I've been uh, absent for a little bit, but I'm back now and we'll probably end up only doing about one episode a week now going forward for a little bit just so I can get uh, everything situated, my schedule and everything like that. But enough about me. Just wanted to update people as to why the Claptrap hasn't been uh, up as much lately. But there's been some stuff going on. There's been some games, obviously. The Bruins, the Celtics, a lot of stuff going on with them. The Red Sox started spring training. They still haven't lost somehow, uh, even though I know that they're at some times playing like college teams and, uh, you know, Puerto Rico and all these other squads like that. It is uh, spring training, so you got to take it for what it is. But undefeated is undefeated, so you got to talk about it a little bit. Uh, You have... A, a tough game coming off of last night for the Bruins. They hadn't played in about four days uh, or, or something like that. And then you come back, you get a home game, you're playing against the Oilers, a team who you just recently were able to beat. And it was a tough game. It was a tough game. Uh, and and usually when you can say that you held Connor McDavid to no points or, or no goals in the game, that's usually a good strategy that's going to work out for your hockey team. But in this one, it ended up not working out for the Bruins in part because of uh, some wild calls, some some horrible stuff that happened for the Bruins. So obviously that first goal from Marchand, that was completely lucky. Uh, if you ask me, a little uh, puck luck. I mean, he skates up into the zone there, just flings it towards the net, and all of a sudden you got a goal because it went underneath his the crease of his arm. Uh, Skinner there for the Oilers, who's a goalie that they never thought was actually going to be as good as he is. He's actually pretty solid right now for the Oilers. The second goal is the one that I'm talking about that was very frustrating because of that stupid, stupid rule that hockey has implemented Probably the dumbest rule that's been included into or or changed in the NHL since I've been alive, at least. The let's go back and review to see if it was an offsides call and take away the goal rule. That stuff is so infuriating. And you can't even talk right now. It's it's so hard to be watching a game. And, you know, you see something happen. You're like, okay, maybe that was a little bit close, whatever. They're letting it go for now. And then the play continues for a good 30 plus seconds inside the zone of possession. I'm talking Oilers had chances to regain control of the the puck, to play good defense and get it back. They had chances to stop the Bruins. So it's not like that offsides was directly leading to the goal that ended up happening. But you end up with the goal, Krejci on the left side there, nice little one-timer, gets it past him, perfect pass. And then we go into the review period. We get Edmonton reviewing the goal. They go back, they're looking through it, and you take the second goal off of the game because of an offsides that happened 
after a good 30, like I said, around 30 seconds of in-zone possession time for the Bruins. I think it's dumb. I mean, I, I, I haven't liked that rule since they implemented it. It's just something that makes the game slow down, right? It, it's it's including more replay into the game, which is always frustrating. We always talk about that on the show, how replay is just getting worse and worse, and the snowball is already going down the hill. You can't stop it at this point. It's going to continue getting worse, but this is, the, this is the worst thing that hockey does with replay, in my opinion. You got, you know, basketball is terrible. They're going down to the millisecond. Uh, did he touch this? Did he tap that? Whatever it was. Football's doing similar things. Uh, baseball's getting into reviews. But hockey, the worst thing that they do is reviewing offside calls. And if you've listened to me before, I'm always more on the side of keep the human error or the human element in the game. Keep the referee side of things in the game. Let the refs make the call. First of all, the refs are going to get crapped on either way. Whether they make the right call or the wrong call, they're always getting crapped on by somebody, right? Let them make the call like it's always been. Don't slow everything down to a millisecond, super slow-mo, and make sure that you can see the tip of the skate was just barely making it offside, that kind of crap. It slows down everything. At the end of the day, like I said, people are going to complain either way. So I don't know. I, I understand that you want to have the best product. I understand that you want to get everything correct, all that kind of stuff. People are very uh, you know, cognizant of the fact that <clears throat> excuse me, uh, social media and everything is going to pick apart every single thing that you do. Who cares? People are going to complain either way. So I don't know that that one's just crazy to me. Okay, it's time for a break, but when we come back, we'll continue the conversation here on 90.7 WKKL. The Claptrap with your host, Zach Clap. We're back and talking all about the Bruins game last night. Just went over the goal that was taken back. Should have been the second goal. Let's get back to it. Then the Bruins get the buzzer beater at the end of the first period. Crazy first period for the Bruins. Should have been up 3-0, but you're only up 2-0. And then you get into the second, and you have that second one, which was, this was all on the Bruins, obviously. But Marshan makes that nice stick-handling play through the legs, goes over, a little tap pass to Grizzlick, and Grizzlick just blows a tire. And all of a sudden, now you got a four-on-one. A four-on-one? That never happens. So four-on-one happens. Little trailer, uh, easy shot, top left corner, and the uh, and the Oilers are back in this thing. Now, Greer had a great chance at the beginning of the third period to, t to put things away. That turnover in the zone turns right there, and he has a chance, but he's not able to finish it. And that was basically the last huge chance for the Bruins to really kind of solidify this one, put it away. You then had the McLeod goal that comes off of Bergeron trying to clear the puck out of the, the zone. Weird bounce off the boards, it seemed like. Weird bounce off Charlie McAvoy goes right uh, to the Oilers, and they were able to get another one uh, to tie things up. And then you had that Nick Nurse goal where he just kind of threw it towards the net, a lucky screen at the right time, and it got, gets past Swayman. Unfortunate in that one rare regulation home loss for the Bruins. As you can tell if you're watching on YouTube, the TD Garden has been great this year. They have a total record of 52-12-3 between the Celtics and Bruins at the TD Garden, so you would – you're always confident when they're coming home, when they're playing in those games. But, man, this one was a tough one for the Bruins. They they had a chance to be, uh, you know, the first team to 50 wins. 
uh, which, you know, they're, they're or, or the quickest team, I should say, to 50 wins. They're going to end up getting that. But at this point, uh, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm still very confident where they, the Bruins are. I've loved the moves that they've made. Orlov has clearly been a, a, a breath of fresh air for this team. He's come in and immediately started scoring, which has been crazy when you talk about his whole entire season with Washington up until the point he got traded. He had three goals. He immediately rips off. What what is he up to? Four or five goals now at this point. Guy has been a monster. You got Hathaway, who's shown that you know he we weren't expecting him to come in here and get goals or points or anything like that. But he can be a strong third or fourth line guy. Somebody who's going to put his uh, you know get in there, get dirty, get into the corners, play some good defense, good forechecking, good back checking, all that kind of stuff. He had a nice little uh, you know like on on one knee save of a cross ice pass and that one that was great you love seeing that and then you're going to get Bertuzzi who's going to slowly get his his legs with this team and figure out what he's going to do because of the injuries with Hall and Forbert Forbert's obviously not affecting the Bertuzzi plays but with Taylor Hall having that lower body injury, we don't know how long he's going to be out. The, the long-term injury reserve, hopefully he's going to be back for the playoffs. That one really hurts. You want Taylor Hall involved in this team, obviously. That's no shock to anybody. And then Forbert, at this point, it just seems like we have so many defensemen. I feel okay about that. Forbert has has been, you know, as he usually is, up and down. So I want him back for the playoffs. More upset or more worried about Taylor Hall. We'll see how things go as we get closer. I feel confident, but as always, with the Bruins, it feels like right around the corner, the next shoe is about to drop. When you get into the playoffs, who knows what's going to happen. You're going to feel that the entire run, too. Even if they get to the Eastern Conference Finals, even if they get into the Stanley Cup, you're going to feel like, okay, when's going to be? when is it going to be the time when this team is going to kind of fall apart or something like that. Sure. They are built to win this year. They got tougher at the trade deadline. They they are ready to go. They can score, they can defend, they have good goaltending. They have it all. Can they put it all together and actually make the full cup run this time? I'm confident. I'm nervous though. I'm nervous and confident. Can you do that? Can you be both nervous and confident? I don't know. I don't know, but we got other teams that have been playing obviously. The Celtics have been doing their thing. And, uh, you know, they were able to finally get a win after those horrible, horrible losses, three in a row of just absolute, the worst blown leads. I mean, you had the Nets, the Knicks, and the Cavs, all games where you had, what, at least a 15-point lead late in the game, uh, some much higher than that, and you end up blowing it to these teams. You end up giving tons of points up to their star players, uh, Julius Randle, uh, Mitchell from the Cavs. You had uh, uh, Quick Quigley, or no, no, uh, Qu- oh boy, what's the guy? Yeah, Quickly uh, from the Knicks went absolutely bananas. Had thirty eight points in that game. That was wild. How are you going to let him play that well? You got beaten by the Brooklyn Nets, who you were on eleven game win streak against, and they had had players like Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving before that. James Harden, and you were beating those teams. Now you get this rookie or this uh, role-player type team, role-player type version of the Nets, and you can't beat that team because they're just giving more effort than you. So that was frustrating. You had the game against the Cavs where you had the chance to put it away at the end. Grant Williams on the free-throw line, 
Donovan Mitchell gets up in his face saying, man, you ain't going to make either one of these. Grant turns back to him. Camera catches it. Oh, I'm making both. Clank the first one. It was short right off the front of the rim. Second one, a little long, comes back too. Horrible job by Grant Williams. And just like Grant Williams needs a break, we're going to take a break right now, then be back with more of The Claptrap after this on 90.7 WKKL. The Claptrap with your host, Zach Clapp. We're back with more of The Claptrap, and we're talking about Grant Williams right now. He missed two terrible free throws at the end of that Cavs game, but that's not the worst part for him. Has he? He has to be. He is had the quickest I don't know if it's a heel turn or his just he was very beloved last year myself included his ability to we all saw it get better defensively and be a spot up three-point shooter especially from the corner he was a three and d guy the perfect one there had an amazing season last year it was a little bit of a no-show in the playoffs but he had a great year as a role player and you love to see it then you go into this year and he, he was good in the beginning but you start hearing rumblings about him wanting a $20 million a year type contract, which I know with inflation and the way contracts are going, everything's getting higher and higher at all times. But Grant Williams wants a $20 million a year kind of contract? Oh, come on, man. I don't know about that. And then it's, you know, the team has so many good weapons that he's getting less and less minutes. It feels like you're never seeing him. You're hearing rumblings about him complaining and things like that. So he has completely turned. Now everybody's against Grant Williams. I'm not fully against him at this point, but man, he has gone from one of the highest highs to very close to the lowest of lows at this point. And I have no thoughts of him being a Celtic next year. There's no way he's going to if he's thinking that he's going to get a $20 million a year type contract. Celtics aren't going to do it. So good luck to anybody else. I, I do hope he gets his money. I always hope these players get their money. Go for it. Get it from these teams that have more than enough money to give you and you have earned being a professional athlete. Go get your money. But it's not going to be with the Boston Celtics. I'll tell you that right now. So that was a you know a tough little stretch, and it's got me thinking because even in that Trailblazers game, where by the way the Trailblazers just absolutely gave that to the Celtics. I'm talking six, seven, eight minutes left in the fourth quarter, and they just gave up. They were just walking up the floor. They're not caring if it's you know two on one, three on one breaks or anything like that. They just don't get back. They didn't care. They didn't care. So the Trailblazers, you know what they are. They've just basically given up on this year, even though they're close to a 500 team. I mean, the Celtics were trying desperately at the end of that game against the, the Trailblazers to give it to them, and they wouldn't do it. They were talking about possibly having to put Jason Tatum and the starters back into the game late in the game with four, three, four minutes left because the Trailblazers just started hitting threes nonstop and were getting back into the thing. So they were trying to blow it. The Celtics were, again, and the Trailblazers were just not caring about that. So I don't know. That was a weird one uh, for me. But it, it had me thinking throughout the entire game. I do not care what this team does through the first three quarters anymore. I don't. I, and I'm wondering how long I'm going to be scarred like this. But I don't care what your lead looks like going into the fourth quarter. You got to show me that you're going to be able to hold on to a lead at this point in the fourth because you've now proven in three straight games before this Trailblazers game that anything is possible. Kevin Garnett, anything is possible with this team. They could blow a huge lead in the fourth quarter very easily, and it all seems effort-based, which is the most frustrating part to me. 
It, it, if this team looked like they were giving their effort, if this team wasn't as talented as they were, and you could tell, go back to the bridgey type teams, right? You could tell that that team was giving everything they had to try and get every single win they could. And then they would come up short and you're thinking, okay, well, this team is trying everything they can to try and do to get to a winning record to win every single game that they can. Right. But it seems like with this Celtics team, and this is going back to last year, it's all about the effort. It's all about what kind of effort you're going to get from your top players all the way down as to how this team is going to be in most of these contests. Because last year, thinking back to it, they come out and they're thinking, man, we got a lot of talent on this team, right? We're probably going to be able to coast to a good playoff seed. We're going to be fine. Let's just ease our way into this this season. Players need rest all the time. Let's ease up. Let's go in and just you know win the games that we need to win, and we'll be fine no matter what. It's going to be okay. Well, come January, that team was under 500, and all of a sudden they got a kick in their butt saying – Man, you guys, we got to turn things on here. And you can tell me that it was Ime Odoka all you want. Oh, Ime Odoka's calling them out. Ime Odoka's telling them that, hey, you guys got to be better. Or you're you're uh, not giving me the effort that I need. But it was really on the players at the end of the day. There's got to be somebody in the locker room that's like, hey, guys, we're playing like ass right now. You got to step up, get yourself into the position that you need to. Give me the effort. And usually as much as I hate on the guy, Marcus Smart is usually that guy that kind of calls out the whole room and everything. And that really resonates usually with the players, another player calling them out. To me, the coaching still does not matter. You can talk about Joe Mazzulla and all the timeouts and everything, and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, this team is way more talented than the majority of the teams that they're playing. And if they put in the correct effort, they are going to win 90% of their games, most of the games that they put their effort into, there is a very small minority of teams that is going to be able to hang with the Celtics when they're fully engaged and fully participating on all levels, offense, defense, everything. They're they're ready to go. No, Nobody can hang with them, basically. Okay, time for another break. But when we come back, we'll continue this conversation and others here on 90.7 WKKL. The Claptrap with your host, Zach Clapp. We're back and talking all about the Celtics right now and their lack of effort. Let's get back to it. But this team continually goes into these positions or these thoughts of, all right, we can take a little bit of time, it seems. We can take, uh, you know, the foot off the gas a little bit, which brings me back to, like I said, the last year, beginning of the year, they seemed like they were ready to coast themselves into a playoff berth, and then we'll take it serious in the playoffs. January comes. Turns out that they couldn't do that. They had to really turn things on. They had to really, they made some trades. They had to shorten up the bench, all that kind of stuff, and really bust their butts to get to where they needed to be. And you could say that it maybe ended up not working out for them in the end because it seemed like they were gassed in the finals from trying to go on that big of an effort, right? Give it, give that much effort and everything like that. Then this year, you come out strong, right? They all had it in their heads. It's not going to be like last year. We need to go out. We need to we need to hit this this uh, hit the ground running. We need to go out there and give as much effort as we can, build as big of a lead as we can, and then we'll be able to coast, right? Because you can still tell that it's in there. Get to the point where we could lock up some good playoff seeds, and then we'll coast. Because around the All Star break, 
is when you started seeing them be like, all right, we got the best record in the league. We got our two best players going to the all-star game. Who cares if Jalen Brown just broke his face? He's going to come back with a cool black, black face mask and be ready to go. You got Tatum in the three-point contest. You got all this kind of stuff. We are good right now, guys. We're great, actually. Even with our rookie head coach, we are good. He just got the interim tag taken off. Everything is good. You know, we could probably take the foot off the gas a little bit. And Tatum especially was the one that was taking the foot off the gas. Or it was the fact that he went to the All-Star game. He got a little too into the partying side of things, the celebrity side of things, the hangout with all the other All-Stars kind of thing. He even said it himself. He was basically still hung over by the time the first game rolled around for the Celtics. He was slow getting back to it. And if your top guy is slow getting back into it and not giving as much effort, it trickles all the way down at all times. So it's frustrating to me when I hear people trying to give the excuse to the Celtics that it's because of the coaching that they're not winning because he didn't call a timeout here and all this and that. It doesn't matter. It, it really doesn't matter, you guys. You could put any coach back there. You could have him take every single one of his timeouts, try and drop a play, do all that stuff. If they're not going to give you 100% effort, they're not going to win. That's just, that's it. At the end of the day, this team gets no excuses from me. They are a finals caliber roster. I've said this a million times. I'll say it again. They should be in the finals. If they don't, it's a bust of a season. It's, they they are there. They're ready to go. Jason Tatum is ready. He's an MVP candidate. You got Jalen Brown, who shows that he can be a top 15 to top 10 player in the league. You got both of those guys on your team. You got the former defensive player of the year last year, Marcus Smart. You got Rob Williams, who you can't really trust right now with injuries, but when he's on the floor, he's dominant. You got Al Horford somehow still going out there and giving you some of the best performances he can while he's at the very end of his career. This team is ready to win now, right now. No excuses, Brogdon. All these guys, you you have no excuse to go out there and give the kind of effort that you are giving on a night in and night out basis. And I'm sure that they're going to start to ramp things back up. I'm hoping that they will, but people please stop giving them the excuse of it's because of the coaching. Joe Missoula doesn't change anything. You could put Ime Odoka back in here. And if they didn't want to give you the effort, it would be the same outcome. You saw it last year at the beginning of the season. Oh, but Ime Odoka was the one who really gave him a butt kicking. And that's why they turned. No, it's because they realized, Hey guys, we got to start winning games or we're not even going to win the or get into the playoffs here. That's what happened. So I don't know. That's just something that I've been boiling about recently. That's just frustrating to me. You get, you, you're putting it, you're giving them excuses by saying it's because of Joe Missoula. They don't deserve excuses. This team is good enough. So no more excuses. We're taking a break. We'll be back after this on 90.7 WKKL. The Claptrap with your host, Zach Clapp. We're back, and we were just wrapping up talking about the Celtics. We got one more topic before we finish the show. Let's get to it. All right, the only other things really going on right now, we got baseball starting off. We got the Red Sox obviously undefeated right now. They are, you know, dealing with the rule, the rule changes better than most other teams, I guess, at this point. The rule changes has been really fun for me. I've been enjoying that. Obviously, the players complaining about 
uh, you know, having to be in the box. Manny Machado was one of the big ones at the beginning of all of this. You have the pitchers who are getting used to it. And maybe some of them are starting to realize that, hey, if I control the pace of play here, maybe I'll actually be pretty good at pitching. So that's kind of interesting. Uh, you got the games that have been decided at the very end because the guy just doesn't want to step into the box, ring them up, you're out. The game that ended with the Red Sox game as a tie, that was crazy. Love to see that kind of stuff. So happy about baseball getting back to that because it is creating so much more interest for somebody like me who, I've said it before, I'll say it again, that's like my fourth favorite sport when it comes to the four major sports that we're talking about up here behind me. Bruins, Celtics, Patriots, Red Sox. Red Sox are number four, and that's no slight on them. I am very obsessed with sports, so I mean, I'm going to watch games anyways. But this is creating so much more interest for me because I want to see how things are going to work out for this Red Sox team. Now, I think they're going to stink still. I don't have any faith in their starting pitching. We got some interesting bats in this one, and the young guys who are going to be involved. The rota- the the bullpen looks good. Bullpen looks like it's going to be as strong uh, with the ac- acquisitions that they made over the offseason. But this team's undefeated right now. And they're over-under in the sports books for wins, total wins in the season, is only 77.5, which congratulations or, or happy uh, – Happy Massachusetts Gambling Day uh, for everybody, people who wanted to be able to bet from the comfort of their own couch. Now you could do it on your cell phone and things like that. So happy about that. And I am going to be probably putting in a nice little wager on the Red Sox to win over 77 and a half games because even for a bad team in a tough division, I still think that that's very low. Very low for, I could see this team easily winning upwards of 85 games, still sucking, still being either the third or fourth team in the division, which we have a a great division, but oh, 77 and a half wins. I don't know, man. That seems like it's way too low. So I'm going to be going in on that one, among other things. You got March Madness coming up. So I'm happy about the gambling side of everything. That'll be interesting, but. Man, this uh, this Red Sox team, I don't have a lot of faith in them, but I'm interested in the season because of the changes to the rules. You're going to get me more involved when you take the game from being three and a half hours long to two and a half hours long. That's perfect. That's where every other game is. That's where all the professional sports are right now. So why wouldn't you go and give it uh, a look at this point when it's going to be constant action, constant going up there and and – Uh, You know, get up there, get the ball, pitch it, go again, that kind of stuff. And I have seen some baseball purists who are still trying to fight against the rule changes on Twitter and other social media saying things like, hey, you do know that still on 80% of the pitches, there's no outcomes. It's still just a ball or a strike. It's not really changing any. Come on, man. You guys are really grasping at straws to the point where you're saying that the rule changes are bad because it's not actually giving any more excitement to the game. Yes, it is. Yes, it is just on the fact that every single at bat, every single pitch, you could have a guy blowing up because he didn't get into the box quick enough. That's that's entertainment value right there. I'm tuning in just for that to see people get pissed off at these new rule changes because everyone hates change, right? And baseball players can be some of the bigger babies in all of sports, I think. So it's going to be great. It's going to be a great time for that. Also, the no shift thing I think is perfect. I think you're going to have more fun from an offensive standpoint. But I also think that once pitchers figure things out here, 
they're going to realize that if they control, once again, like I said before, if you control the pace of play, you can actually be a better pitcher because you get the batters off their routines, at least for this year, right? Eventually, batters will start to get better at it, and they'll understand, and their routines will be quicker and things like that. But right now, pitchers have such an advantage because they can throw the guy who wants to check his batting gloves 35 different times before he steps into the box, Nomar Garcia Parra style, they can get him off of his off of his game right away by just being ready to go on the mound, ready to pitch. You're not in there, strike one. You're not in there, strike two. Get in the box and let's go. So I'm happy about that. I'm happy about that. All right, that's going to do it for today's episode. First one back in a little bit, I know. I'll be back more often in the future here as we have uh, the March Madness coming up next week. That's going to be a fun one. Keep an eye out on all the social media stuff. I'm going to try and get some goofy content out there for gambling picks. I got my boy Vance, who picked the Super Bowl winner with his selection. I'm going to keep doing it. I think I'm going to do it for the entire March Madness bracket. So if you're interested in something like that, we got that. Follow the social media page at The Claptrap on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I really appreciate it. We're also up wherever podcasts are found. Just search The Claptrap and on YouTube. So follow along. I'd appreciate it. I hope you guys have a great weekend. I'll talk to you next week. See you later. Keep it right here on 90.7 WKKO for more of the Cape's classic alternatives.